Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Oscar Peterson with Come Dance With Me, the lovely Oscar Peterson, I should say, one of my favourites. Good morning, this is me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM with Jazz Shapers. It's the place, I know you know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul, alongside their equivalents in the world of business, a business shaper. I'm very pleased to say that my business shaper today is none other than Kate Lester. She is the founder and CEO of what she calls, or people call the fastest growing courier company in the UK. Their name is Diamond Logistics. You're going to be finding out how the woman of 20, when she set this business up, has blossomed into not just a business owner, but also someone who writes and mentors and does all sorts of extraordinary things. Lots coming up from her very shortly. In addition to hearing from Kate, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business. And you're going to get some great music as well, of course, from the Shapers of Jazz, Blues and Soul, including Hugh Masakela, Cecil McLaurin Savon, and this from the one and only B.B. King. Sage words of advice there from B.B. King. Better not look down. Kate Lester is my business shaper here on Jazz Shapers. And as I said, she's the founder of a logistics business called Diamond Logistics, set up when she was only a mere... well. Pup, is that right? 20, were you were twenty when you started. Twenty years up? old, absolutely. That's outrageous. You were like literally just. I mean, what does a twenty-year-old think they're doing? Setting up their own business. Thank you for joining me, by the way. I should oh, say. hi. Thank you for having me. Um, well, I was working for a career company that wasn't doing very well for itself, and I'd been there for a couple of months. Um, and there'd be various times that they hadn't been able to make the payroll and all that kind of stuff. But I could see that there was real potential in it, and I could see that there was no rocket science in actually running the business. Um, so in the end, um, when they failed to turn up with yet another wage roll. I just approached their largest client and said, will you work with me direct? Um, I got bankrolled by one of the couriers to the tune of 4,000 whole pounds, and that was it. Diamond was started. So fast forward right now, what is the business doing? Because there's a few elements to the business now, and you're a five million pound business, you know, or probably more. Uh, more now, yeah. More now, of yeah. course. So my facts are always out of date, you see. With your fast-growing businesses, you can't, exactly. keep, you can't keep up. <laughs> so tell me, the th- there are three elements to the business, aren't there? Yes, there are. So um, we are a one-stop logistics solutions, and it means we do everything from same-day courier, which is like a really important like pathologies and bloods, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, to overnight. But on the overnight side of stuff, we actually do everything from post uh, to pallets, including parcels, uh, via a multi-carrier solution. Uh, and then we actually do a lot of storage and fulfilment. So you know, some of our clients are um, importers of goods from China. They run an um, online business, but they don't want to run a warehouse. So we um, store, pit pack, and dispatch all their stuff for their sort of se- seamless fulfilment. When you set this business up back in uh, 92, mm-hmm. did you imagine that 20 years later or so we'd be talking about this and it would have grown or was it more of a, well, I can just do that. I've no idea where it's going to go, but I'm quite happy not working for someone else. 
Were, think, they, were they grand ambitions? Uh, I really very much wanted to work for myself. So I'd only had a couple of experiences, you know, having PAYE jobs, working in larger organisations, and I really didn't like it. Um, and so I was very determined, whatever the business was that I got into, that I'd be working for myself. And, Actually, and why was that so important, the working for yourself bit? What was the key thing? Um, uh, I, th- I think you could be the purveyor of your own destiny. I think that was really important. You could also be rewarded by what you put in. It seemed ridiculous working for the man for a, a, a relatively low return when you can actually, you know, earn it yourself um, and 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 have a better, you know, standard of living. Um, I think it's, there's no sort of co- coincidence that I had two children very young um, although um, Chloe she hates this story um, so she'll hate it when I recount it again but I actually conceived my daughter in the business in the same week so she was born nine months later um, and as a result the business and the children very much sort of grew up together um, and it, you know so that was one of the reasons why it stayed sort of like sub one million for the first sort of 20 years I reckon and then uh, you know when the kids went off to sort of university had a bit more free time that's when I've been able to exponentially scale the business um, so that's been cool but you know as for being a mum, balancing having children um, and running a business, um, you know, the school holidays weren't a problem. The fact that the kids were in a board meeting wasn't a problem. Um, you know, if the f- kids were ill, they've been known to be dragged out on many a meeting, etc., etc. So good life balance, good quality of life, good reward, good return. And I've not really been risk adverse or, or worried about having to live and die by the input, you know, or my input, really. So... Well, there you go. That's the reasons why you should work for yourself from Kate Lester, my business shaper. Lots more coming up from her in a moment. But in the meantime, some music. Cecile McLaurin-Salvant and Wives and Lovers. Cecile McLaurin-Savon, Grammy winner, you will probably know, with Wives and Lovers. Talking about Wives and Lovers, uh, Kate. Um, I don't have a wife. You don't have a wife, no. no but um, you've, you, we were talking before about balance, and the kids came exactly the same time pretty much as the business, and you have, and we'll talk about also this book, books that you've written. I don't know where you get the time, but this is, a, we'll find out. I don't sleep a lot. You can blame my daughter for that as okay, well, she's Get poor clothes getting blamed for everything today. Um, <laughs> I've got to mention Oscar in here as well, so he gets a mention on the radio <laughs> We'll mention him as well. Uh-huh. Um, you've been incredibly stable through your work. Does it make a difference, though, to, to, to private life when you've got sort of things that are already set in your life, to, when things are going really well? I mean, you've, we talk, I mentioned the wives thing because you've, you've been married a few times. Uh, a few, yeah. Uh, three times, actually. It's not something that I'm proud of, but um, it is a reality. Mm. Um, yeah, it does. It massively impacts on it. And I think particularly for women in business, I think there's a real challenge finding a sufficiently supportive partner who ticks the boxes on the understanding front you know of how much your career is actually going to take out if your career is one of your major passions so you know I've got two major passions and one is my business and one and one is my children so someone who t- who plays the third fiddle in that I think would find that really challenging and, and I do you think that's what happened really? well, I think most of them did but but equally speaking um, again I guess I'm pretty intolerant so um, that doesn't kind of work so yeah so what I'm trying to say is is that if trying to find someone who can be sufficiently supportive but then I'm still a girl who wants a guy to be a man um, and finding that mix is different so you kind of want everything and I think again that's probably typical entrepreneur really isn't it so you want a real man who's like totally mellow um, and allows you to kind of lead and all the rest of it but you know probably not too much of a walkover 
that he can tell you when you're being foul or whatever. So, so this intolerance, and that makes perfect sense. I think, yeah, many people I interview kind of do want it all and expect a lot yeah. from other people because they expect a lot from themselves. Yeah. It, it, in terms of people inside the business, though, is it the same? Are you as intolerant with people? And, you, and I want to come to the post-20 years and the kids thing separately, but in general, have you been intolerant with people that just don't cut the mustard in the business in yeah. the same way you have been in you, your private you, life? Yeah, you absolutely have to be, but we've got a 50-50 split at Diamond. Diamond's pretty Vegemite, actually, in terms of its culture. You either love it or you hate it. Um, and I'm really comfortable with that. And uh, we've, I've got people that have been there for over 22 years, so they wouldn't be there still if I was a tyrant. But equally speaking, there's been people that that have been there for three days and I've just said I'm sorry it's just not going to work out for you um, I think I've been a little bit maternalistic in my the way I've employed my team um, and now particularly as we've scaled the business I've had to um, harden my perspective or actual fact you know sort of delegated that out to sort of other people so I, I tend to see the best in people and I tend to be incredibly encouraging and I probably give a little bit more slack than I should do so you know I've, I've got the joyful thing of recruiting a sort of eye-dotter and tea crosser now who can do more of that for me as we scale because that's really really important but um no I, I, I think I'm, I'm a well, I, th- I think I am, but you don't know, really. You'd have to ask them to... Re- a, a fairly popular kind of leader, but they know that there's sort of an authority behind that. Stay with me for much more from my fascinating business shaper, Kate Lester. She's the founder of Diamond Logistics, a business which we're going to find out very shortly is going to be scaling significantly and exponentially in the near future. Latest travel in a couple of minutes, and before that, some words of wisdom from our program partners at Mishkondre for your business. My name's Jonathan Berman. I'm a partner in the corporate department at Mishcon de Rare. We spent a lot of time in our department dealing with people who are establishing new joint ventures. When we look at these relationships, they are much, much more likely to succeed if the participants have been through a process before they actually start working together. And it's the process rather than the documentation that's critical. And what they do is to address it issues that they would generally feel uncomfortable with, about discussing with one another. The rationale is they want to get on with it and they've got a good feeling about working together and by asking difficult questions, it in their mind could endanger that good feeling. But that's the wrong way of going about it. And I'll give you a couple of examples of the types of things they should be thinking about. The first is are we looking to maintain this business as a going concern under our ownership for the foreseeable future? Or are we establishing it with a view to building it up over three years and selling it? If one's got one view, one's got the other, it leads to huge disagreement and it's one of the biggest reasons for businesses failing. The second is, what's the business intended to do? What is our vision? Is our vision joint? Do we go into the UK or are we looking to expand into Germany? Are we going into America? Are we focusing on one business product or service or are we expecting to expand beyond that? Again, having a business plan and sitting there and considering exactly how the business is intended to grow over the next few years is vital. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday morning, I have the privilege of talking to someone who's shaping the world of business. If you've missed any, would like to catch up, then iTunes is your destination, or British Airways when you travel next, or cityam.com if you fancy that as well. Kate Lester's my business shaper today. She's the founder of Diamond Logistics, a business that is growing quickly um, in the logistics world and all the different things you were hopefully hearing about earlier. 
I, I think, Kate, what struck me, what strikes me so far is um, just how driven you are uh, and, that, and that you talked about the things that are important to you. You talked about your work and you talk about your kids and almost it's very difficult for anyone else to play that, you know, that they would be playing a third fiddle. Where's that drive come from, do you think? Why are you you? <laughs> um, do you want to speak to my therapist? Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, I, I guess I uh, founded on my parents. Uh, my dad had his own business, always worked really long hours, was always the purveyor of his own destiny. One of my first jobs was actually working in my mum's boutique in Australia, quite a salesy kind of role. As for ambition and drive, um, it's also a good sense of fun as well. I love what we're doing. It's really, really exciting. Um, I am motivated to get up. I do get up really early. You know, um, we are building this really kind of big business. And it is like an, it, uh, there is a power in me which is bigger than my desire to procrastinate, which makes me bounce out of bed when the alarm goes at, you know, 4.30 or whatever. But it, it's almost like a hook that kind of picks me out of bed because um, I get as knackered as everybody else does. But it's just it's just there. It's mm. just there. And it's a really good energy. It, it's not It's not like... I always kind of presumed that people that were this ambitious were kind of tortured or it was because there was something missing or something to that effect. But the more I see, the more entrepreneurs I get to meet, it's far more than that. It's a passion. It's an enthusiasm. It's a delight, you know, and, and what we do is fun. You know, it's fun making things happen. It's fun helping people build their businesses. It's fun helping people, you know, employ more people. It's, it's fun. Now, you're talking about, talking about building your business, and you said, you know, the business was a decent size for pretty much coinciding with the time that your kids were kids, and then they go off to university. Did you know that you would want to go bigger once the kids were kind of free from the nest? Yeah, absolutely. I was eternally frustrated um, by the size of the company, and I couldn't see how I could scale it. So actually, from 1999 onwards, I actually did 11 years, 12 years, actually, of consultancy as well as having the business. So a couple of days a week, I'd be dropped into other people's businesses, and whether that was on a um, take a share cut of their business or um, as a um, consultant director or um, NED and uh, basically looked at a whole variety of businesses within the logistics industry from software to um, haulage companies to overnight companies to same day courier companies and either help them do turnarounds or um, uh, big uh, acquisitions or big sales uplifts um, and I just saw so many flawed ways of working in the logistics model that I actually started to formulate the concept of this expansion around sort of 2011 but I knew that I needed a second uh, service tier to add to the business. Um, and then a chap called Dan Allen um, came up with a, the idea of this um, uh, second service tier. Um, and that kind of matched with what I wanted to do. And that's when we decided to look at the sort of franchising thing. So we actually only piloted the franchising in 2012 um, with two sites. And we actually only launched the franchising in 2013. Um, and as a different kind of franchise model in that we've kind of, it's more like network partners. Um, but we've now got 25 sites. Um, so for under three years of uh, network development, and we're all self-funded and self-capitalised and all the rest of it. So we've done pretty well. And either just before the 2011 period when you'd been doing, as you said, your consulting and the business was kind of a flatlining in a way, but not in a yeah. bad way, just because that's the way it had Incremental to be. Incremental growth Incremental growth. Years, healthy, yeah. healthy, but not, yeah. not spectacular. Yeah. You don't make it sound like a breeze, but it strikes me that any obstacles you would have come up against, you got through. If you got through them, how did you get through them? I guess it's focus on end goal. And, and there's been some massive obstacles. You know, there's been days whereby you've looked at the sort of cash flow and gone, oh, my gosh, you know. Um, there's been days whereby 
particularly as you expand your business, you begin to rely on people a lot more. And there's days when you wonder, you know, who's left the gate on open and the idiot farm? You know, it's it's really challenging. But there was always the focus on this end goal. There's always this focus on, you know, the minimum of 40 sites, this 40 million revenues, which I will put my um, name to uh, within the sort of five years of launching the sort of franchise network. And it was just like, right, I acknowledge that that's an obstacle. Move on, you know, go round it, you know, find a way forward. And we've had big things. So we had um, a software provider who provided like over a third of our business, GoBus. We had CityLink that knocked out a third of our services over a year ago. We've had banks that were unprepared to support us in the initial stages. So in the end, I had to sell the family home. So that was quite fortuitous that the children were actually going off to university. You know, we moved into our sort of weekend home down in Brighton. But yeah, it's um, it was just, it, it was never going to be a game over. It was just, what's the next thing? You know, move on business never as usual but Kate Lester's is very happy dealing with that lots will come up in a moment time for some more music Gregory Porter we all love him and this is Hey Laura Hey Laura it's me Sorry but I had to ring your doorbell so late But there's something bothering me I really am sorry But it just couldn't wait Is there someone else instead of me? Go ahead and lie to me and... That was Gregory Porter with Hey Laura. Kate, you you talk about things in in a way where it seems like there's an indomitable spirit and that that nothing will will stop you achieving these objectives, the end goal, as you said. The 40 million in five years within, as you said, since the beginning of the plan... You must envisage, I mean, you talk about problems almost being like little children that just need to be managed and then you you carry on. But there must have been some stuff that spooked you, properly spooked you, where you've gone, I think I've had enough. Have you ever done that? Where you've actually thought you stopped you? I'd be lying if I said no. Um, yeah, there, there are definitely days whereby you're waking at three o'clock in the morning thinking, how do we actually get through this? I don't think anybody should underestimate it how stressful it can be um where do you go for for advice in those instances are there people that you lean on when you say oh i really yeah i'm I'm really lucky i I, um share the business i've actually gifted some shares to some directors um and uh as a result of that i feel that i've got partners in the business and, and that's great so that that's quite supportive i'm very close to my parents that helps an awful lot um and i've also got some great mates uh that own like career companies um and have been in the business themselves and when there's stuff that's really gone wrong yes i do talk to people so I don't feel quite as lonely and isolated perhaps as some people do in that respect but in the end I think the big thing is is that it's always going to be on your head and that's part of being a leader so a great leader has to accept that in the end that ultimate decision is theirs and in the end the ultimate stress is there and you know I guess there's a lot of people to be inspired by that you know from Winston Churchill sort of you know downwards really but you know leadership is a is a a real challenge and, and, and it's the qualities of a great leader that you acknowledge that stress you deal with that stress and, and, and you kind of swallow it up a little bit because the most important thing is is that when you know it's very very dark um, luckily Buddha says it's always dark as before the dawn but you know um, when it is very very dark you don't want that to filter down to the rest of your team it is your job to be that filter it is your job to mitigate that kind of stress so that they can you know because that's not going to do them any good it's not going to do their performance any good um, 
but you know eventually it passes and and as long as what you're doing is right and what you're doing isn't broken then there is always a way around it and i think the other thing is too that with 24 years experience after a while you get to know that it's not going to be game over with this one you know your your track record starts you know, reflecting that. And so, yeah, getting older is a great thing. You know, when, when I was younger and the company was really little and it was a tiny sort of like £5,000 overdraft that we were all worried about, that was mission critical and that was extraordinarily stressful. And now it's just, you know, whatever it is, we can, we can deal with it more. We'll have our final chat with Kate, plus play a track from the great South African trumpeter Hugh Masakela. That's after the latest Traffic and Travel. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Hugh Masakela with Grazing in the Grass. Kate Lester, the founder of Diamond Logistics, uh, one of the Leap 100 companies um, in association with Mishkondorea and CTM as well, I should add, uh, means that she's a super fast growth person, a super fast growth company as well. Is my shaper just for a little bit longer? This, this target you've got, you say it with great authority, you're going to make it. How do you know you're going to make it? I mean, obviously, you've got a plan in place. You, the franchise element of the business is what's, is what's going to be the foundation for this scale. But... I sort of look at you and I think she's got another, she's got a, a belief. Is there anything else apart from belief and a good plan or is that about all you need? Well, it's worked so far. So I'm talking with some kind of um, sense that the business plan is not complicated. Business is not complicated. Anybody who thinks it's complicated is making a, a mountain out of it. And I guess that's probably um, an, an important thing. So it's very straightforward. We build 40 small businesses to a million pound revenue around the UK over a five year period. That's really straightforward. Um, that doesn't take into consideration any of the nationwide accounts. It doesn't take into consideration we're probably going to sell more franchises. It doesn't take into consideration consideration the fact that a lot of people are building businesses over and above that size already Um, so we're already at 25 it's just about scaling those and I also you know I've put that figure out there that 40 million pound out there because I think that makes me accountable too because again as purveyor of your own destiny I I set my own targets so if that's out there then that's something that we need to be chasing my team are focused on that Um, and I'd really like to think that by the time we get to the end of this year that we you can maybe review it you know upwards well I hope we will (laughs) now let me ask you a couple of things that you're you're a mentor or if, if I'm not mistaken, in yep. this in this charity, the Bath Bath Tub to Bath Boardroom, sorry, London-based not-for-profit charity helping people find employment uh, through entrepreneurship and creativity. You've also written two books. Yeah, I think one is out. Is the second no, one? No, I've out got now? two out. One's Oops. called Stop Reading Self-Help Books, and the other one's called JFDI. And the obviously we can't sort of JFDI. It's I imagine just I'm, flipping do it. Just flipping do it. Elliot, Good. just flipping. Thank do you. It. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other book is about. It's what? called the Manicured Fist. That's actually going to be about women in business and the challenges of, uh, and why women don't necessarily succeed the way they want to in business. In a nutshell, what's the sentence? Why don't they succeed the way they should? Uh, there are so many and so one reason would be unfair Um, I would say a lot of it is choice Um, I think a lot of it is the 
post-kid thing, and I think that needs acknowledging. Um, but that's not to say that people can't go back to doing great careers post-having children. You know, I think there's a great wealth of women out there in their 40s and 50s um, that could jump into the entrepreneurial kind of stuff like I'm doing now. I think a lot of it is the way we bring up girls. I think there's an awful lot of conditioning in terms of women being quite risk-adverse and quite failure-adverse. Um, and so I think we need to look at the way we're teaching girls you know, from a very early age um, to how they kind of position themselves. Because I know that there's an awful lot of extraordinarily competent women out there that simply believe they are less um, able than their male counterparts. But the reality is, is that the male counterparts are just more confident. So I think there's an enormous confidence sort of challenge there. And are you, um, just before I, we, we have to close off with you, are you on a mission or is it just you're saying that I'm observing this and any way I can help, I'll help? Or is it a bit more than that for you? No, it's any, it's any way I can help, I help. I think my mission is um, to help small businesses develop around the UK. I reckon um, small business is a way of personally empowering people. It's a way of people enjoying social mobility. It's a way of people fulfilling their dreams and it's a way of people balancing life, career and something that they've got a real passion for so it's really about running your own business that I'm really passionate about. Well look, thank you so much for spending time thank with me today. Thank you, it's been a we, real pleasure We are going to be um, doing a, a new um, programme later this year it's all around bringing, bringing guests back after a period of time, we're calling it Encore and it's when we, we can ask you in a couple of years time, we can get you back here and say right Kate, about this 40 million about this 40 million, turnover. let's have a chat yeah. fantastic stuff, listen, um, What's your song choice before I let go and why have you chosen it? It's Back to Life, Soul to Soul. Oh, yeah. what a classic. I know, it is rather. And why, why is this important to you? Uh, it's just, uh, it was just a soundtrack of our youth, really, wasn't it, Elliot? As you and I feel pretty much the same age. Um, yeah, it's, it was just everywhere, wasn't it? And it's, yeah, it should be my ringtone. Well, here it is for you. It can be your ringtone if you like. Kate, thank you very much indeed. Thanks. Back to life, back to reality. That was Soul to Soul, of course, with Back to Life um, from the late 80s and uh, the choice of my business shaper today, Kate Lester. I love the way she says she was a purveyor of her own destiny and it's the reason why she wanted to run her own business. Really clear priorities for her that have made sure she's been able to focus on the two things that really matter to her. That's her children and that's her thriving business. And an unbelievably energetic passion for what she does. It's what's carrying her through all these different years and all these different iterations of her business. And I'm sure she will make that £40 million target that she set herself. Fantastic stuff. Do join me again, same time same place that's next saturday 9 a.m for another edition of jazz shapers in the meantime stay with us here on jazz fm because coming up next it's nigel williams jazz shapers on jazz fm in partnership with mish it's business but it's personal